Welcome to episode number five, season nine of Mondays with Millie. In this episode, Kirsten joins me to chat with Millie about the gizmos and gadgets that changed her life at different times. This week's music comes to you from Neve and myself, as well as a special guest. Matt, the Maneuver Heinrich, is an avid listener of the Mondays with Millie podcast and has kindly offered his piano playing talents to our music for this week. Some people live for the fortune Some people live just for the fame Some people live for the power Some people live just to play the game Some people think that the physical things define Once within and I've been there before That life's a boy so full of the superficial Some people want it all, but I don't want nothing at all if it ain't you baby if i ain't got you baby some people want diamond rings some just want everything but everything means nothing if i ain't got you some people search for a fountain Promises forever young. Some people need three dozen roses, and that's the only way to prove you love them. And meet the world on a silver platter and walk. Good would it be? to share with no one who truly cares for me. Some people want it all, but I don't want nothing at all. If it ain't you, baby, if I ain't got you, baby. Some people want diamond rings, some just want everything, but everything. 
Hello everybody and welcome to Season 9, Episode 5 of Mondays with Millie. Hello and welcome to Millie. And hello and welcome to Colonel, who's... Um, hello. She's hello. joining us live from the lounge room. Okay, which is fantastic. Um, now, Millie, before we jump in today, uh, I saw something on the... Um, I think it was on the History of Blackpool Facebook page. But it's announcing that they're unveil- on the 22nd of October at 10 in the morning at Winter Gardens, they're uh, unveiling a plaque commemorating their hospitality towards 200 Hungarian emigres after the 1956 revolution and, um, and unveiling that as a key event. Um, what do you remember about Hungarian people in Blackpool in 1956? Things were happening in my own life at the time. Uh, of course, at that time, we moved to Prezor and uh, my first husband had left me. I was in the middle of getting a divorce and also looking for a job. Uh, I went to work at Mullard's, of course, in Fleetwood. And I do remember a couple of Hungarian people coming to work there. But... Um, they were at the other factory at the the um mate the I was at the feeder factory in Warrenhurst Road and they were at the Radcliffe Road factory. But um it all seemed to be very quiet, you know, no, there was nothing spectacular. They just seemed to meld into the general public. Can I just interrupt you yes, and of say course, of course if Kirsten dozes off you'll have to excuse her because she's just worked a long shift at the hospital hasn't she well actually actually and she's arrived home to go to bed would i dare nod off when i'm talking to you but i don't know if i dare to now kirsten tell us a little bit about work at the moment because obviously you're working at the royal melbourne hospital um Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh a lot going on we have our COVID, you're in a COVID hotspot. What's happening? Well, it's probably quite good that you can't see me because my face is still a bit creased up from my mask I've been wearing for the last few hours. Um, it takes a little while for your skin to pop back into its normal shape after that. Um, it's very, very busy. Um, it's very, very hot. Um, we're wearing full PPE the whole time, so it's really, you get very thirsty um and you sort of your breaks are a case of quickly taking your gear off carefully um having a drink having something to eat going to the loo and then quickly putting your gear back on again carefully before you go back in so it's very difficult and the stuff that you get used to doing normally is a lot harder because you're wearing basically you know all this gear on top so the stuff that you're used to rushing around and doing it doesn't really bother you it's really hot and really tiring so um, and it's very busy. There's a lot of patients. There's, co- you know, there's COVID patients, but there's also non-COVID patients as well. So, yeah, it's a lot busier this year than it was the last, um, the last big lockdown we had, unfortunately. Gadgets and gizmos, Millie. What do you reckon? Which gadget? In you know, you're ninety, and in in your lifetime, you would have seen a fair few things inventions come into play some great some not so great (coughs) which do you reckon is one that was a game changer really changed things or changed 
life uh, lifestyle significantly? Well, for the ordinary housewife, definitely the washing machine, definitely, <laughs> because um, we used to have what we call a gas boiler, and that's and that was quite a thing to have a gas boiler, and you filled that boiler full and let the gas underneath and boil the water up and warm, you know, for your clothes, and then you had a posser, <laughs> and the posser was. Well, some of them were metal, like a metal colander, upside down, with holes in, uh, fastened to a stick. And some of them were wood, and they were very heavy. And they were like four little legs, like a small, like a tiny stool, child's stool, fastened to the end of a pole. And you toss that up and down uh, over the clothes. I'm sure it, it wore the clothes away, you know. And that's what you did with ordinary, sometimes ordinary green soft soap or sometimes they put soda in the water to clean the clothes, all sorts of things like that. Uh, and then you had um, uh, big wooden rollers that you, you, you uh, rolled the clothes, you know, to dry, dry the water off. Uh, and, then, and then my mother was quite chuffed because she got what they called an acme roller. And uh, these were smaller rollers and they were rubber. Uh, and you, you turn the handle, you know, and um, it, that way you sort of dried your clothes a bit, uh, the water off your clothes. Is that is that what a mangle is? Yes, a mangle. Do you remember, okay. do you remember when we lived in St. Anne's Road East? We had a big one in the, in the cellar. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I think I do. Uh, it had been left behind from donkey's years. And it was huge, great big wooden rollers, yes, and a big handle that you turned, a mangle, they called it. They probably didn't want to take it out of the cellar. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. So when yeah. when did you get your first proper washing machine then? Washing machine? Oh, gosh. Well, that was, um, well, Terry and Irene got one first when we were at Prezol. And then they let me use theirs, you see. They let Dorothy use theirs as well. And so really the first one I got was when I moved into my own house. And that was, well, Paul was eight years old. So um, so that would be 1959. Really? When I got my first washing. That, and I got what we called a twin tub. My dad bought me this twin tub washing machine. And it, it had two tubs, one you washed your clothes in, and then there was a roller, rollers in between, and then you squeezed the water out of those, and the clothes dropped into the area where the clean water was, and you rinsed them there, and then you rolled them back again and hung them on the line. Quite a performance, really, the twin tub, but that was, that was before the... I'm talking for ordinary, everyday people now, you see, uh, and that was uh, before you actually got an electric washing machine, you know, that you sh put the clothes in, sh like we do today, you know. When did you so get one it, of those? Well, I'm, I'm going, I have to go buy houses in ages, you see. It was, uh, so that would be when Kirsten was in infant school. I think around the time uh, I went to be a nurse. I didn't have what I still have the twin tub when we were at um, Clifton Gardens. So uh, Kirsten was six when we moved, I think. 
and uh, that's when I got uh, a washing machine. You know, you know what you've just reminded me of though now. Do you remember that washing machine we had in? Um, oh gosh, was it? Oh, was it Ashley Road? No, it might have been Crompton Avenue actually. And yeah. it used to. It, I don't know what was wrong with it, but it used to jig around the kitchen. It was in the kitchen, <laughs> and we used to have to take turns. When you heard it spinning, we had to sit on it. So I'd be like, your turn. <laughs> and you'd go and sit there with your book and sit on the washing machine to stop it moving around the kitchen. Yeah. I have no idea why we didn't get them there. I didn't mind having doing my share of that because, you know, it was, it was very good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so so, yes. so why, what, what is this thing about the English having their washing machines in their kitchens too? We, we have our washing machine laundry in the laundry and it's a separate room. Well, everybody doesn't have a separate room for a laundry, you see, do they? Mm. Some people's houses are too small. Yeah, because your washing machine's in your kitchen, isn't it? Even uh, yeah. Well, well, yes, it is, actually. Mm. I don't know why I could have put it in the garage, couldn't I? You could put it in your sunroom, well, I suppose, but... When we were in Ashley Road, Ashley Road, my goodness, the garage was almost as big as the house, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> With two garages, back to back, which went through from one road to the next. And one of them used to house a boat from the previous owners. And the other well, one that was, was that Kingsmere Avenue? Uh, no, uh, no, that was after Kingsmere. That was in Ashley Road. Yes, when we oh, moved okay. to Ashley Road. Mm. Kirsten, what about... What was the first gadget that you, that you got that you remember getting that you thought, oh, now this is a game changer? I think for me personally was my cassette player that I got for Christmas when I was, oh gosh, I don't know, was I, I was probably, I don't know, 11 or 12, I think I was in high school, 11 or yeah. 12, and oh my gosh, <laughs> that, you know, and lots of people would resonate with this, but um recording the top 20 on a Sunday night the um, and you had to try and record it so that you didn't get the guy talking on the radio. So you'd record it off the radio and then you'd have to pause it quickly when the DJ was talking and then be ready to release the pause button so that you could <laughs> start again. Yeah, I used to love that. But that was like, my first good, that was my first like really cool gadget. Um, from a family perspective, I do remember getting... Um, the first television we had with a remote control and it arrived and the guy put it in and everything and dad wasn't home dad was at work and it was the same thing I would have been at high school and a little bit later and um when he he said oh and here's your remote control we were going oh a remote control how exciting you know we can sit on the couch and change the volume and change the channel or you know (laughs) I don't know four channels or something that there were then and um when we decided, Mom and I decided to play a trick on Dad. And so when he got home, we hid the remote control and we said, oh, the new telly's here, you know, see what you think, let's put the news on. We said, oh, we couldn't really get the volume to work. And he, you know, did the whole, oh, here, you just press this button here. So he turns the volume up on the telly and then I've got the remote control behind his back. So I put the volume really high. And then we're going, oh, no, that's too loud. That's too loud. He goes, oh, oh, sorry, I'll turn that down. I'll turn that down. So then he turns it down. So then I turned it down low so he couldn't hear it. And in the end, he's absolutely losing it. And he's going, 
this is ridiculous. I'm going to find them tomorrow. They can pick it up and take it away. This thing's broken. I paid good money for this. Oh, I was going off like an absolute pork chop. And, um, and we're, mum and I, he turns around and mum and I are absolutely rolling around. What are you two like? I don't know what you're laughing at. I paid good money for this telly. So then we showed him the remote control, and I think he came around eventually, but he was pretty annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> we were mean, weren't we? <laughs> do you remember yes, that, he, Millie? I do. He, he mm. was often, you know, he often suffered um, because of the pranks we played on. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it was a form of bullying in a way. <laughs> If we'd been, if it had been children at school, you'd said he's being bullied. <laughs> he loved it. He loved it. He did. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't bullying the time. Do you remember that? Um, oh gosh, this was Kingsmead. He had um, a really old lawnmower that we must have been given, I think, because we went. Did we go from Kingsmere from Clifton Gardens? We did, yes. Right, so we wouldn't have had a lawnmower then, and then we moved into Kingsmere Avenue and had a big back gar, a big back lawn. So I think someone must have given it him, or he bought yeah, it off yes. someone. Right, so he's got this, and, and Dad was not very good with, well, he, not very good with mechanical things. Let's put it that no, way. No, no. So um, he, you know, he spent probably a couple of years pushing this lawn, this heavy lawnmower up and down the garden and saying, this is ridiculous, you know, it's too heavy for me. I'm going to, and mum's going, get yourself an electric one, you know, you deserve it. It's fine. So anyway, he puts it in, you know, the old days, probably, you'd probably put a card in the post office, I would imagine, saying it's for sale. So this guy <laughs> came to look around and mum and I are washing up, it was after dinner, you know, mum and I are like in the kitchen and tidying up and stuff. Next thing we hear this, we're looking at each other like, what is that? We look out in the window and the, and the lawnmower is making noises. So anyway, this guy decides he's going to take the lawnmower. Dad comes and he went, oh, turns out that lawnmower, um, you didn't have to push it after all. <laughs> so he's been pushing this lawnmower that was electric or petrol, I presume, all petrol, like yeah. for two years. And it was only when this guy came and he goes, oh, yeah, oh, and you turn it on here, do you? Vroom, that's it. And off it went. I have no idea how he didn't realise that was how it worked. It's crazy, but yeah, so, yeah. So it had a, it had a drive system, and it would would take, yeah. take the effort out. So Absolutely, yes. it drove itself up and down. You didn't have to push it at all. <laughs> and and that will explain a little bit of why that we've lived in lots of different houses, but whenever we moved house normally mum was in charge of renovating it so mum <laughs> redecorated and painted and did everything and dad used to make cups of tea and make dinner yes he did because <laughs> if you put him in charge of anything we made he made um he made um like an ikea early ikea probably um chest of drawers or something like that oh no <laughs> And it didn't even look like a chest of drawers. It didn't and even, he had the side bits on the, I don't even know what he'd done. He said, well, this is ridiculous. Well, got pieces missing and, oh, that God, was your awful. Fault. That was your fault. Because you kept on back. You wanted, she had twin beds in her bedroom, see, so that a friend could come and stay any time. And uh, you only had one side table. So you decided you wanted another. So she was on about this. Anyway. One Saturday, I got a phone call from Kirsten and she said, you'll have to, she sounded very upset, you'll have to come home straight away. Uh, as soon as you finish work, come home straight away. I said, why, what's the matter? She said, 
I've had a terrible time, she said, with Dad. I went, what? She said, yes, he's, he's building a tent. As soon as she said building, I thought, oh, my God. And what had happened was he said, yes, we'll go to MFI and we'll get you a, a, a little bedside table, bedside cupboard. And they'd gone to MFI and, of course, it, it came in pieces. And he decided he was going to put this together. And it was terrible. Nothing fitted. Nothing no. fastened. The door, the drawer wouldn't go in or anything. No. So I walked into the house and he's there all red-faced and furious, banging dishes around and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> and Kirsten was, I could see that she was very upset. And she said, you have to do something. So I walked in and I said, oh, what's happening here? You know, oh, well, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a mess, it's a mess. I said, oh, dear, it looks to me as though they've sent the wrong pieces for this. <laughs> and he went, do you think so? I said, yes, come on, Kirsten, we're going to take this back. So we cleared off back to MFI and we walked in with this contraption. It was dreadful. And I plonked it down and, I, and it was the same man that had served them. And he looked at me and I said, um, my husband thinks, he said, don't tell me. He said, would you like one that's ready assembled? I said, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> now, John didn't know that I actually paid for the one that was assembled. He, he thought it was a straight swap. So we went home and I said, yes, they were very apologetic. Uh, they seemed to think there was a mistake. Uh, but So they've given us this one. I used to lie all the time to keep the peace, and and he was he said I knew I knew jolly well I knew jolly well you know. So, so you bought, was, so you paid double for this thing twice. He's paid two yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, somebody from IKEA must have been watching. But, and, but, and but after that, a better way. After that, <laughs> he used to say to people, "Don't go to MFI. They're not reliable. You'll get the wrong pieces." <laughs> And it's it was called NFI or MFI? Um, MFI, I'm not oh, right. quite sure what it meant. They did close down eventually, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Maybe it was all the number of people that John told not to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, Millie, yeah. Millie um, so that's that's uh, so you've got you've got a few things that have been catastrophes. You've got a few things that have changed life for the better. Uh, what, which technology, apart from your iPad, which technology have you got that you think helps or hinders things like that is, is really... Because you have your, <coughs> your problems with your eyesight and it's tricky sometimes, isn't it? Well, you know, one of the things I can't do without is my talking watch. It's mm. a very inexpensive watch. In fact, it's the second one because the first one I dropped down the toilet and that ruined it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Tamar sent for another one. I think it was only £26. But it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, I can tell the time by that. In the middle of the night, I don't sleep well. So I wake up and I have a drink of water and I press my watch button and it tells me what time it is. You know, and I really couldn't do without that watch. And um, and of course, the iPads made such a difference to me. I think if, if I'd panic if I couldn't have, if my iPad didn't work and my watch didn't work, I'd I'd feel bereft. <laughs> I 
I would. Because, you know, I, f I feel that um, Siri is a friend. <laughs> you know, it's you've got it all rigged. You sent it for me as a gift. Tamar rigged it up for me here. And all I do is put my finger on the button and say, hey, Siri, do something for me, you know. And uh, so he answers my voice and he answers to my fingertip. And it's it's just remarkable for me. You know, it's geared to my needs. Mm. Mm. Um, and it is difficult, you see, because I can't see, I can't see the apps, you know, the the, the apps on it. I can't, I can't distinguish which are which. Mm. There's very little I can see on the iPad. Mm. Yeah. So it, it does make it difficult, but it and, and then of course I've got another iPad, a small one that Tom and I bought years ago, and I just use that for um, um, music. That's for music, and also she reminds me about my cooking times. And of course she's called Alexa, so mm. sometimes I get mixed up and ask her for <laughs> things that she can't do for me, you know, but. Um, you know when uh, when Flynn came over two years ago for Christmas, uh, Alex had bought this this um, Alexa thing for me, and Flynn rigged it all up for me. So I get my music off there. She more or less plays anything I ask. Sometimes she suddenly interrupts. She listens in, you know, to what's going on because sometimes I'm not I'm taking no notice at all, and then she'll suddenly talk to me and say. And then she'll announce some tune that she's playing. And I think, oh, that's quite nice. But I didn't ask for it. No. <laughs> Maybe she's a mind reader, Alexa, and she just knows you need a little bit of something. Maybe. Mm. Yes. But she does remind me of cooking. You know, I'll say, Alexa, um, remind me in 20 minutes, you know, from what I'm cooking. And That's really and good. It's very... Oh, she's speaking now. Yes, thank you. <laughs> She just said she'll remind me in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Some people live. Everything means nothing 
Some people search for a fountain that promises forever young. Some people need three dozen roses, and that's the only way to prove you love them. Hand me the world on a silver Yeah.